This is the Adirondack Bucks and Beyond podcast. Here we go. Oh, what a hog! <laughs> Take him, Corey. Out of boy. Hey guys, I'm uh, sitting here on this nasty, rainy Monday afternoon, and uh, I'm just finishing up this podcast. Um, on this podcast, we had Todd Mead um, on, as you'll find out as you listen to it, but I wanted to come on here and tell you where you can purchase his books. I have his book sitting next to me and his website pulled up in front of me as well. Um, his newest book that he has out is Pursuing Public Land Bucks, uh, DIY Hunts from the Mountains to the Midwest. Um and where you can purchase that is if you head over to toddmead.com. Um, he has a really cool website. You can get it right on there. The, one of the books that we talked about uh, in this podcast actually isn't available anymore, but you can buy this one. And Todd's website is awesome. He has uh, a photo gallery, blog, hunting journal. So go check that out for him. And <clears throat> this podcast was pretty unique. Um, Aside from the fact that we had Todd Mead, who's just a wealth of information, he's hunted all over the country for many, many years, and specifically the Adirondacks, and killed a lot of great bucks up there. Um, but ironically enough, him and my dad actually grew up, well, in the same area, and they played all-star together and hadn't seen each other in over 30 years. So my dad joined us for this podcast, which made it really awesome, and I think we had a lot of really good conversation. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as we did, and let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Adirondack Bucks and Beyond podcast. We have a special guest with us today. Todd Mead is joining us. Thank you, Todd, for coming on and talking to us. And also we have our uh, Corey and my father here. He's joining us as well. And we're missing Adam today. Adam's not here, but everyone else is. Yep. So we'll probably jump right into it. And uh, where did uh, where'd you get started hunting, Todd? Ooh, let me think. I got started when I was a kid, even though I didn't like hunting. So... Uh, my dad shot a coon out of a tree, and I cried my eyes out. So I decided I'm not going to hunt, and I'm going to be a fisherman. So I told him I'm going to be a fisherman. And my brother, my older brother, he was going to be the hunter. So Sounds I, really familiar to what happened over here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my brother started hunting with my father. I'm like, I can care less if I ever go hunting in my life. So I started fishing a lot. Hang on one second. I don't know what that is. Okay, you can get back into it. We're going now. Sorry, we had a little malfunction there. So I just decided I was going to be a fisherman. So I didn't, I didn't really have an interest in hunting until I was a little bit older, maybe 13. Yep. And then my father was shooting a bow a lot in the backyard, so I decided uh, I'll give this bow hunting stuff a try. And then when we started bow hunting, then the rest is history. Then yep. I became a hunter. My brother quit hunting and... Then moved, you took it over. He moved to Montana, and then I've never quit since then. So, and... Uh, even though that coon kind of traumatized me when I was little, I, <laughs> I guess it gave me a better appreciation for life and death and yeah, absolutely. You know, be, uh, be a little bit more responsible. When absolutely. You're out there. So did you start right in hunting the Adirondacks? Or, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. that's another thing. People always ask me like, why do you hunt the Adirondacks? There are no deer there. I'm like, well, you're going to hunt where you live. So yeah, right. that's where I live. So that's where I hunt. Right. Right. And then you just kind of, when, when did you uh, start going across country and kind of doing all that? I didn't do that until it got a little bit later. I, I wanted to kill big deer, and I was killing big deer for the area, right? which is the Adirondacks. And if you kill a 100-inch deer in the Adirondacks every year, you've got yourself a slammer because there's 
is to my knowledge of any deer I've ever killed, I've never killed a deer under or yeah. I mean, every deer I've killed that's a hundred inches or better, right, is almost always four and a half years old. So I mean, that's a mature deer. So then yep. I'm like, I want to kill bigger antlered deer. Mm -hmm. So I want to try the Midwest because people say it's easy. Yeah. So uh, I headed to the Midwest in I think the first year I hunted it was maybe 2000. Mm -hmm. So I waited quite a while. I was born in 69. So I don't know, however, whatever that adds up to. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's 31 years. So, uh, yeah, so when I turned 31, I headed to the Midwest, and that means my father was 53, same age I am right now. Yep. So uh, we went out there, and then the first year we went out there, I came home, and I'm like, I don't care if I ever step foot in the Adirondacks again. Oh, I can imagine. Because, yeah. I mean, it was the first day that I sat in a stand in there, I think I saw 10 bucks. Oh and gosh. I saw three wow. three shooters, and I stuck one in the rear end because I got excited and did a bunch of stuff you shouldn't do. Right. And uh, and then I just I was hooked. And then for the first few years when I when I was going out there, I didn't I just didn't want to hunt when I came back here. And uh, yep. over the years that's it's totally turned around, and now I can't wait to get back. Yeah. I still go out there, but I can't wait to get back. And and at this point in my life, like I really don't care if I go back out there. Off, right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. That way. So I, years ago, I had uh, just real quick. Years yeah. ago, I had a friend that moved out to Nebraska, and uh, he said after hunting out, he only lived there for like two years, but he shot some nice bucks that quickly. And he said, if you can take a New York hunter's mindset out to the Midwest, you'll never go wrong. Because if you can hunt here and enjoy it, you will certainly hunt out there and enjoy it and do just fine. Yeah, I'll correct you though. It's not a New York hunter's mindset it anybody who is brought up in the adirondacks sure where there are no deer right where mm -hmm. you have to work to find deer if you go out there you'll be able to get on deer a lot quicker than than most people right and when you can find deer where there are no deer it's a lot easier to find deer where there are a lot of exactly deer. Right. yeah so, right absolutely and then, then people think it's easy to kill a big buck out there and it's not I'll be the first to tell you it's not because I've brought a lot of people with me that don't kill big bucks it's still hunting regardless it's of still where hunting you are. it's still hard and, uh, but there are more like mature animals just right. because of the way their seasons are, stuff like that. Right. So it, you have probably more opportunities, but it's, right. it's no easier than it is. To, I mean, I've killed a lot of big deer in the Adirondacks. I kill a lot in the Midwest and it's no easier in one place than it is in another. So that's a big fallacy. Yep. Sure. Makes um, sense. And I kind of want to roll into that. So like, what would you base success hunting out in the Midwest versus hunting in the Adirondacks? Like a day, a successful day of hunting versus two. Any success, honestly, like any successful day to me is just being able to enjoy myself. I mean, right. Right. I, I mean, because like, we, we've talked about in previous podcasts, like a successful day for us in the mountains is getting on good sign, getting in areas where we think we might find bucks or whatnot. And out there, I feel like a successful day is maybe seeing five five nice bucks or whatever. Not one that you might shoot, but just seeing yeah. bucks in general. And that's just not how it is in the Adirondacks. I think that's a, like an aging thing, too. Like when I was your age, that would have been my definition of success. Right. Now it's like, man, I'm successful. I got in the woods today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Woke up this morning, got and, the boots on. And, and got back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Believe me, I lived that dream. Yeah. <laughs> as far as that goes, though, I mean, I don't. I don't really base days as successful or unsuccessful. I think every right. day I'm in the woods, I'm successful because I'm, I'm doing something. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, like, I might not have, quote, unquote, like, success today, like shooting an animal. Mm -hmm. But I might have found something that will lead me to that. So every day's definition, every success's definition on every day is different. Right. 
So it's just kind of take it as I as I go. Gotcha. So I kind of wanted to roll over, kind of just talking about the Adirondacks here. Um, so is there is there any geographical feature that you're heading into the woods up in the mountains and you are drawn to that feature? Is there any specific one that yeah. would just pop right up into your head? Yeah, I any place where there are swamps with uh, like long fingering ridges. Yep. I like those areas. Most people I know in the Adirondacks don't like those. Yeah. I mean, so call me unique, but that's what I like. Uh, I don't like steep mountains. I'll hunt them. Right. But I don't like them. And uh, maybe it's because I'm lazy. I don't want to <laughs> crawl up and down the <laughs> steep stuff. Right. I mean, but I've never liked it because I feel limited in steep stuff. I mean, if right. you're on steep stuff, you might have a bench that's 50 yards wide. Mm -hmm. And if there aren't any deer on there, then it's, you know, you basically ruined it. Yeah. I right. mean, if you want to say you want to sit it or whatever. Yep. Then, I mean, you you might go up there, bump them off it, and you're, mm -hmm. you're done. Right. right. I mean, so I like something where a lot of different things come together. So if things come together, like, you know, if you guys are on a rotary over here in Malta or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot more cars go around the rotary than drive right through the middle. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that no, that's, a, that's a really great hard. analogy. Yeah, that's a yeah. Great analogy. That is a good analogy. Um, what was I going to say there? So I have a question, Todd. So archery is your passion. It was one of your first loves, from what I understand. Did you carry over your passion from archery hunting and your your style of archery hunting into? your regular season rifle hunting when it comes to hunting the big woods and what i mean by that is i think you hunt from a stand a lot you're, you're big on hunting certain terrain features or uh, patternable deer from season to season is that something you picked up from bow hunting or did you develop that separately during your regular season hunting you're gonna like this my passion's not bow hunting no my passion's hunting with a gun if my bow made the same noise as a gun i'd love it <laughs> okay <laughs> we, we I, talk about that that rifle ringing out through the mountains there's something, something about else. that noise yeah. i'm through and through a gun hunter okay um i like bow hunting but i would rather hunt with my gun yes and it's not because it's you know easier or anything like that i love the smell of the gunpowder mm -hmm. and i love the noise it makes yep i mean if you can make my bow sound like a gun we'll be all set. <laughs> <laughs> very cool but uh what was the question? Now I got sidetracked. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I kind of worded it differently than I should have. Basically, you know, the the way that you hunt, I envision that as a way that I bow hunt. Okay, okay. So let's turn that around. Yes. I'm labeled as a stand hunter. Right. I can almost guarantee you I put more miles on in every day I hunt in the Adirondacks than most people that are doing whatever they're doing. Like this year, I think per day, I average seven miles a day. Wow. Oh, wow, yeah. So I don't think most others do that. I mean, they might, and they might say they do, but, like, I sometimes I find it hard to believe because I know how much that is. Right, um, mm -hmm. it's a lot. So, like, I get labeled as a stand hunter, but I cover as much ground as anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and I do a little bit of everything, like, whatever that day calls for. Like, the deer I killed this year, this year, like, it was kind of a wet, soft snow day. Mm -hmm. So I'm like... I'm going to go in a little bit later, and I'll kind of still hunt to an area I think deer might move through later in the morning. So then I'm like, I'll still hunt in there. When I was getting close to the area I wanted to get to, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of tracks in here. So then my plans changed, and I decided to sit there. And then I killed a big deer. So because I saw all those fresh tracks in there, I decided to sit there. So every day I do something a little bit different, and there's not like a geographical feature or anything that draws me there. It's more of a gut feeling. And as you get older, 
you have more experience in like different things, then the you should always listen to your gut. Your gut's never going to be wrong. Right. If I don't have a gut feeling, it's usually not a good day. Right. Right. That is so true. That is your instincts are everything in the yeah. woods. And and with that being said, um, I think it's great that you bring up the swamp and that that's something you can talk about because i know all of us we pretty much head high almost every time mm-hmm. um probably because we're young and our legs you know just draw us up there or whatever but so how do you approach hunting the swamps then do you like to circle them and see where deer are coming in and out of them because i'm thinking that you are in my mind when i read your book you are a stand, a stand you know you like to well, sit yeah. a lot well i'll but go you, back to that because the first book that i wrote mm-hmm. the only reason i wrote it is because like you guys i i'm gonna be like you guys so I'm going right, to chase deer, sure. I'm going to right. chase deer on the mountains and stuff like that. Well, then I started going to seminars, stuff like that. And I started hearing everybody in the Northeast. They're like, there's nobody who can hunt big woods and that can kill a deer out of a, a big deer out of a stand every year. And I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Definitely. I said, so. You change that narrative, so huh? I, Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I decided, well, no, I was already doing it. So I decided I would write that book. So I think the vast majority of hunters sit on their butt. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, everybody's being told they can't do that in big woods. They can do it. They can do it easily. They just don't think they can because everybody's got to be a tracker or a still hunter or a driving watcher. Right. Um, so really, the only reason I wrote the book was to tell people you you can do it that way. Right. And uh, it's not all that. It's really not all that difficult. It's just like anything else. If you're hunting in southern zone where there are a lot of deer. You just find the deer and you go sit there till one walks by you. Right, right. It's the same thing in the big woods. It's no, it's no different. But yeah. people are too impatient, and people always ask me, "Well, why don't you, why don't you do more like walking, hunting stuff like that?" It's like I do a lot of it, but I get too impatient doing that. So really, you, you might get impatient sitting, and I get impatient doing that because I just start plowing through the woods, and That's I don't pay attention to stuff, and I'm looking at stuff I shouldn't be, and then I'm, I pick my head up. Oh, there's a deer there. <laughs> yeah see i get impatient with the whole sitting thing i can't do it for long periods of time that just that's the thing too like too like i talk to a lot of people who don't really know i think a lot of people aren't successful because they don't know what they're the best at Mm -hmm. i know what i'm the best at so that's what i do the most of yeah and like sometimes you don't like doing something but at the same time you might be better at doing that than Mm -hmm. what you're you're doing right so experience will tell you what you're the best at right we had a conversation coming home in the car last night just like everyone in order i think to be a successful hunter which i don't consider i don't think anybody in this room other than i mean maybe you considers themselves a a successful hunter at this point but like to in order to do that i think you have to hunt to your strengths and what what you can do the best like pretty much what you just said like some people are trying to watch everything that's going on in social media and they're trying to apply that here and apply it here and it just doesn't work in a lot of scenarios unless you're in that specific spot so hunt hunt, how you hunt to your strengths you know that's Um, exactly what it is because like along the way i learned as soon as i get out of a tree or get up from sitting down against a tree mm-hmm. i know my odds are going down because i'm going to start tramping through the woods just looking yep. for sign when i should be hunting right but i'm like no i want to see what's over there i want to see what's here and i'm like then i stopped looking at stuff that i should be looking at right and, i mean don't get me wrong i've killed a lot of deer walking mm-hmm. uh, you know but at the same time like i know what i'm better at so yeah, that's what gets me when I'm sitting in a tree stand. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I just maybe if I go down over that next ridge, there yeah. might be a buck standing right oh, down I, there. You I, know, I had almost the exact thing happen to me this year. I, I was sitting in my tree stand and I had a camera there, and uh, I got down and I went someplace. Well, I went and picked up my camera there. I don't know, three weeks ago, and 
15 minutes after I got down out of my tree stand, a beautiful eight point one. He killed the cat. Oh, <laughs> it, it, you know, talk about beat yourself off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Back to the swamp thing. I mean, like when I'm when I'm doing that, like if you find ridges that run down to swamps, like uh, like fingers, not like narrow ridges, but like I mean, big ridges, like kind of finger down to the swamp. Mm-hmm. If you find swamps like that in the Adirondacks, deer will almost always travel to the bottom. And they'll come off those ridges down to the edge of the swamp, get a whiff, do whatever they want to do, walk around down there. But you'll always find sign down there. Sure. I know when I, like for me, when I come to a swamp and I find sign, because there's always good sign around the swamp. Well, now I'm looking around and I'm going to the highest point to go try and find find yep. him in his bed. But it sounds like, you know, well, it's here, different. Well, here's a, I mean... I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Sure. You tell me whatever you want. But at the same time, like in all of my experience, and I've, I've been a lot of places, a lot of different places, and uh, I always hear this, oh, they bed high, they bed high. No, they bed where they want to bed. Oh, absolutely. They walk yes. and they lay down. Yeah. So, um, so like, who knows? Maybe if you stayed down on the edge of the swamp, maybe you'd be, maybe you'd be more in them. Right. I'm not saying you wouldn't be. Sure. Oh, I agree. Like, because I mean, usually when you start going higher or whatever, it becomes more open. Yeah. And, sure. and the more open you are, the the less chance you have of you right. know getting closer. Sure. Whereas if you're down in all that thick garbage, you could walk right up on something and it might not even know you're there. Sure. Done it. Done it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of it goes back to that whole thing: pick your poison. Right. right? And right. I mean, if there's a reason you should be up there, then go up there. If there's a more of a reason you should be down low, then stay down low. Yeah. That's and people, perfect. it goes back to that using your gut instinct. Absolutely. And people don't do that. They just think in their head, like they have it set in their head. They're like, oh, they got to be up there. Right. right. So then you go, you got to go up to the top of the mountain. And you're like, oh, it's pretty nice up here. I see what's over there. So then you <laughs> yeah. go to the next ridge, and you're like, and before you know it, you're like, you're gazing at everything else. Oh, I right. see what's over there. I guess. Right. You've totally there. lost track of what you were trying to do. That happens yeah. very easy I mean, up there. Maybe, so there's a lot to look at. There is. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> happen to you, but that's what I do. <laughs> no, I, oh, I'm, this, I'm the same way. Are you a big map guy? Do you, do you have I, the maps you on your what, phone like, and stuff? Oh, come on. I mean, I use my phone. <laughs> Although I got to say, I have a couple friends who use flip phones till two years ago. So yeah, I was a man. little, I was a little ahead of You're them. You're a little ahead of them. <laughs> but uh, I, I use a Garmin Rhino. Okay. So I don't yep. use a phone because I never trust a phone for the battery to stay active. Right. Oh, yeah. And then right. I use a, you know, a compass. Yep. But when I look for stuff, like I'm not, I'm not really a big map guy. I'm no? more... I'm more like walk as much as you can yeah. and just mm-hmm. observe what you see. Yes. Right. Now is that is that during the season is or is that preseason? What what how do you mostly go about looking for that stuff? I look for usually I look for the most stuff when I'm hunting because yeah. it really doesn't do me any good to look at it when I'm not hunting. Right. I mean, you're going to find stuff like don't get me wrong, I I'm out there in the spring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like in big woods like what we hunt adirondacks right you want to be on it when it's fresh and Mm -hmm. if you're not it doesn't matter like so if you're in the adirondacks plowing around all over the place right now you might find some stuff you'll be like oh that's gonna be really good next year but you don't know when that was good right Right. so if i'm doing it like people that's nothing people think i sit all the time well i don't i walk as much as i sit Mm -hmm. but when i'm sitting someplace i'll sit there because i know i know why i'm sitting there 
so when you say that, like what, what would be something, um, say it's not, not the rut, it's pre-rut, it's uh, early October. Yeah. What are you going to be, what would say, okay, I need to sit here right now. What, what, what would you look at? If I see a bunch of like a lot of rubs in a little area and it's thick right. and then I can see someplace where they're feeding. I know, I know in all my experience, the, that buck is coming back. He lives right there. Right. So if he's right there doing all that stuff, you should, you should be able to see him. Right. I mean, as long as you have good entry and exit and and don't disturb him, yeah, because he's not too far from there. Because they early in the year they don't move very far, right? And uh, so if you can find that, your your odds are going to go up if you're sitting. So do you think they're they're pretty isolated at that time of year, like where where they're staying? They're not moving. In my experience yeah. with the deer that I've hunted, yes, I'm not saying that they are. Right. Just in the experience that I've had, mm-hmm. yes. Because if I know if I can find a big buck early in the year, early in the year, I'm going to kill it. Hmm. And uh, and it just it's based on experience because I've killed a lot of deer on opening day and opening weekend, opening week, and right. that usually doesn't happen in the Adirondacks. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy because it'll happen every X number of years, like mm-hmm. every seven it's very years. Very unpredictable. Or yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then sometimes you you might not even see the deer. Right. You know what I mean? But I I like my odds if I see that. Yep. Because then it kind of goes up. So are you when should I know you run you run quite a few uh, trail cams right so is that something that you're doing during the season as well are you moving them around during the season sometimes but not all the time it, yep. it just de- that really depends trail camera like too many people get involved with trail cameras and start hunting trail cameras right I don't I'm guilty of it I've done yeah. it so what you're doing is you're wasting valuable time mm-hmm. um, however. In some places, I definitely look at the trail camera if I'm in there because if I have trail camera on a scrape, mm-hmm. I want to know are, are multiple bucks coming to this, are does coming to this. If I know what's coming to it, then I'm like, oh, I got to stay here. Right. But I'm not going to go out of like, if I have a route, like I came over here tonight and I did, I punch it into the GPS and I'm driving all over these back roads. I'm like, where am I going? Sure. So if I know exactly where I'm going, I'll check a camera if it's on my way, but I'm not going out of my way to check it. Right. I'll just leave it there. I'll keep data and I'll use it next year. Let it soak. Yeah. Let it soak for the remainder of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I also wanted to get into, well, actually we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, is there any of, of your hunts that pop right into your head that you've had in the Adirondacks as one of your most memorable hunts? Oh yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you want to know what, like, I would say if I were your age, I could I could say yeah instantly. Yep. I mean, and then they're all memorable. Like I mean, I remember when I was little, my father says uh, he had a bunch of like small racks around. He's like, oh, I can't even remember shooting that deer. I'm like, oh, that'll never be me. Right. <laughs> I'm right. Like, that'll be never be me. Sure. And I'm like, I have all these deer, like little deer I shot when I was younger, and they're in like boxes. And I'm like, oh, I shot that deer there. And then like recently, I was looking at, I had no idea where I shot that deer. Yeah, let me pause. That box of antlers and like I mean, even five years ago I could I could remember all of them. And then suddenly they just I can't remember. I mean it's like right. not that I lost my memory. It's just I don't know if other things became more important. And right. yeah, like I guess another thing too is like it, it's easy to remember a ten pointer versus a spike horn sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean right. absolutely. Not all the time. I mean I remember one of the spike horns I shot. I remember it vividly, but uh, 
but most of them kind of take a back seat to the to the bigger ones because you get more yep. excited with big oh sure <laughs> yeah i don't think we saw any spike horns in that in those pictures you brought over there <laughs> you'll, you'll, you didn't look close enough there's <laughs> <laughs> quite a few uh, nice bucks in there I, <laughs> I can't say anything about shooting spike horns i shot you know i shot my fair share hey well, when you get started it's you know you see a deer and it has antlers and it's, yeah that's you it know, that, you gotta, you gotta. It's, it's like driving a car. The first time you drive a car, you gotta start someplace. Yeah. You know? Yep. That's another thing too. Like I'm not. Everybody. One question I get asked in seminars is like, well, what, what, what do you pass up? Like, what do you decide you're gonna pass up? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't make that decision until I see the deer. It's like whatever Same. excites me. Yeah. Like if I see a four pointer, it excites me. I'm gonna shoot it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you That's know, it's, awesome. it's all about the excitement of the hunt. It's not. I don't need to shoot a trophy deer. I'm not a trophy deer hunter. Right. I mean, I've just been lucky to kill a lot of big deer. Cause it's awesome to shoot mature bucks yeah. like that, you know. As I've gotten older, like, I want to shoot bigger deer. So yeah. I, I refrain from doing what I did when I was younger. It's just like a maturation process. Or yep. Sure. Well, like we always say, like, especially up in the Adirondacks, you shoot a 100-inch 8-pointer. Like, that's a beautiful buck to be shooting up there, you know. Honestly, it, you shoot an 80-inch deer up there, it's a really good yeah, deer. Yeah, anywhere in New York, you know, you're shooting that. Yeah. That's that's a nice deer. See, people get, like, lost in the fact that, you know, everybody wants to do what's on the Internet. And, mm -hmm. like, everybody's like, oh, I shot this deer and I shot that deer. And it's like, and then you feel, man, like, I talk to Adam about it all the time. Like, Adam, I'm a shitty hunter. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he's like are you being serious i said i'm dead serious i wish i could kill deer like that he's like you do kill deer like that i said it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> so like i mean sometimes i feel like i'm the worst hunter in washington county you know right sure. but it but then i guess you got to take a step back and be like holy cow yeah you know? i have done all that yeah like i mean like you guys killed a really nice deer this year and like you know, I'm like, man, I I kill to shoot that deer. Sure. And yeah. uh, and sometimes you get you get lost in like what everything you see and it's not reality. Yeah, right. I kind of and I kind of want to get into that, uh, like what your view is on like the uh, the whole social media thing, like how that kind of impacts hunting in a way. Kind I guess in a I guess we'll start in a negative way. Like, how do you think it negatively affects the hunting community? I don't I don't really think it negatively affects the hunting community because it it probably brings more hunters into it. Right. Um. It's not that it affects the community, it's the people doing it are maybe affecting how others look look maybe at them. Perceive it almost. Yeah. Like sometimes like you have a lot of people that like it's not their genuine data. Right. It's like stuff they heard somebody else say. Regurgitated. Or, yeah, and then they like nothing is their own. And and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm guilty of it too, because like when I do stuff like this, I just give generic answers, like because I don't really think about it. It's, it's right. easy because you're talking to me, and I can give you a generic answer. Right. right. And, so I guess it's very like yeah. you've sat down and thought about it for but days. But then just for know? an example, like two people I hunted with this year, like I'm hunting with them, they're like, man, you, I never would have known that. That's that's like really interesting. And then. Like, mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know I did it. Like, I think it's from years and years of hunting that I did it, and I don't even know I do those things. But if we're all here talking about it, I could never tell you. Right. I don't, you know, it's like, am I a good hunter or aren't I a good hunter? I don't know. I You're mean, a good hunter. I, but am I? Because I spend way more hours than anybody else. So the amount of hours that I put into it versus the amount of hours that most other people put in, mm -hmm. I'm a horrible hunter. Yeah, but it, I, it isn't about good or bad in that situation probably as much as you, you just love what you do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, passion. you you could be killing a deer every day. You're still going to put in the same amount of time. Yeah. It's, it's a passion. Yeah. It's not about good or bad. At that That's time. another thing. Like, yeah. I love hard work. 
Mm-hmm. Like when I come back mm-hmm. to the Adirondacks, I love to work hard. And if I'm not seeing a deer or whatever, it's like I'm going to see a deer. Yes. I have a video, and on the video, I, I can remember I put a tripod up. I'm on a beaver flow, and uh, can't remember. It was like middle of the season or whatever. Mm-hmm. And after I'd been bow hunting, it's in the Adirondacks. Snow is coming down, and I, I step away from it, and I said, today's my, I can't remember what it was, 30th day of hunting in the Adirondacks. I have not seen a deer yet. Mm. And people don't get that, because what they do is they look at the deer that I kill, and they're like, oh, I wish I could hunt where he does. Well, come on, hunt with yeah. me. You, you all have too much fun. Yeah. I mean, this year was my first year hunting up there, and I went, I don't know, I mean, it was three weeks before I even saw a doe up there. Yeah. and didn't see anything else and i actually ended up running into one buck and when i did run into a buck it was like that was the most rewarding buck i didn't even see his rack but that's yeah. the most i heard him grunting but down below me i was like that's the most rewarding buck i've ever ran into it's probably Since your I... brother with a grunt call <laughs> <laughs> well now you say that jesus <laughs> thought you blew my spot up <laughs> i like to say that he wasn't far away so <laughs> yeah go sit right up there i know exactly where he's gonna be <laughs> well that can kind of bring it back into like if you you not being a picky hunter, you're up there. You've been up there for three weeks, not seen a single thing. Well, that basket six walks out. Yeah, you you're put pretty the excited. Time and effort into it. Yeah. The thing that you don't realize in in mountain mountain hunting, I tell everybody, any buck is a good buck. Mm-hmm. And anybody who tells you different is, is lying. Right. I right. Mean, or they have a lot more time than you do, or something. Sure. Right. Um, but I was lucky over the years where I was lucky enough to kill you know pretty big deer, and so now I don't. I don't care if I shoot a deer. Like when I was young, like you guys, I had to shoot a deer. Like, yeah. I, mean, I got to shoot a deer. I got to shoot a deer. That's how I feel. And, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So it, it's a lot different mindset. And like right now, you guys probably think to yourselves, well, I'm never going to get there. But eventually it just like, maybe you will, maybe you won't. I mean, I know people who still don't, but I don't, you know, it's just all what you gain out of it. Sure. And uh, I could never kill a deer again in my life. And people would still think I was a good hunter. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's just, sure. So it's like, but at the same time, I'd think I was a shitty hunter. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, experience it is, is different, different for everybody. It yeah. is because I know plenty of guys that do not hunt to kill things. They hunt for the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. They hunt for to the, get out of work. Some people yeah, just they read a book up in the woods. That's 100% true. Like, and that's the difference between, like, I think me and a lot of people. I'm hunting to kill a big deer. Sure, like, I'm that's, the same. Yeah, that's I'm the my same. goal. Yeah. So, And I'm a goal setter. So if I set a goal, I'll do everything I can to reach the goal. Mm-hmm. And most people don't go through with the goal, and they don't have a plan to reach the goal. Right. So, like, every time that I have a goal, no matter what it is, I have a plan to reach the goal. Mm-hmm. If I fall short, I mean, basically two things are going to happen. You're going to reach the goal, or you're going to quit trying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'll never quit. Sure. So, right. And that's where I think, like, hunting, like, for me, because I played, we all played sports all of our entire life. Like, that's, like, the biggest thing for me, how it compares to sports. was like, yeah. the, having the goal thing, and, like, that's what we want to do and keep working towards getting in. Me and your father were all-stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big boots to fill. Yeah. 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 Uh, Looks like you got to work harder, then. Yeah. <laughs> we threw cow shit patties around. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you guys work on a farm together, too? No. <laughs> That's the only thing we had. We couldn't afford baseballs. Baseballs, no. baseballs. Oh God! Yeah. Back in the back in the heyday. The only reason you two are good at sports is because of your father. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Well, they they got some good genetics from their mother's side. So. Uh, she uh, she doesn't listen to this. We don't have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hope, we hope don't let her know. Uh, but I also find it really cool that. Um, 
you've hunted, I mean, you, you've hunted a lot of elk, right? Yeah. Where, where are you doing that? What states are you doing I've that? I've hunted uh, almost exclusively Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. And how, how, do, how do those mountains compare, if you could compare them in any way, compare to hunting in the Adirondacks? I tell everybody I meet out there, even in the Midwest, because a lot of people in the Midwest hunt, you know, Rocky Mountains or whatever. Right. They have no idea what our mountains are like. See, because everybody thinks Rocky Mountains are huge, mm-hmm. which which they are. They're, you know, 11,000 to 14,000 feet or whatever. Right. And I've been on the top of 12,000-foot peaks, okay? But at the same time, you're starting at 9,000 feet. So here, we're starting at sea level, and you're going to 3,000 feet or whatever. So it's really no different. And here, it'll take you all day to get to the top of the mountain. Out there, it's it's not the same. It's it's a little more open. There are meadows, stuff like that. Right. So the... The mountains are different. Just out there, you run out of air because there's no oxygen. Right. All right. Yep. Yeah. But back here, you're swearing and cussing because you got to climb over everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. My gosh, um, yeah. So it's it's two different types of things. And out there, in all of my hunting out there, I don't need any navigational tool because I feel like I'm never going to get lost. And now watch, I'll get lost next year. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but like back here, sometimes we don't have any landmarks. Right. Mm-hmm. And out there, there's usually a landmark. You can get someplace where you can see a landmark. Yeah. Um, right. There's places here where you can't see landmarks. Yeah, exactly. Well, Brad because... talks about all the time getting spun around in swamps. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I've gotten spun around in some swamps and end up on completely different ends of the town. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. Nothing's worse, too, when you get to the top of a mountain and... You get into those small spruces, man. When you talk about climbing out of there, I have climbed out of some wicked stuff before. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, usually you'll run into some some real inclines going down to it. It can yep. get to be a mess in a hurry. But you can't, you can't see that far ahead to try and avoid country like that. Sometimes you just find yourself in those situations. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You find yourself in the situation where you're hunting. But you're not hunting. Yeah, you're hunting for your car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. mentally yeah. shot. I, I like that those spruces, though. Uh, do you do you, uh, hunt those spruces a lot? Do you find that the bucks are holding in there? Uh, no, no. I mean, I like stuff that's kind of open. Yep. Um, just because, like we talked earlier, I'm more of a sitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to go plowing through the spruce and say, "Oh, I'm going right. to sit down here." Yeah, I'm going to sit someplace that's a little more uh, beneficial to get them coming out me. of the spruce. Yeah, yeah. right. You, you said you also you do tracking, right? You do track. Yeah, I, I do a little bit of everything. Can you can you uh, reiterate what you said to me when I first started talking to you about the hunting bare ground versus hunting snow? <laughs> yeah, I, I tell I tell everybody because I mostly what I do is I find a specific deer whether it's the spring before or during the season Mm -hmm. and i hunt that deer i could care less whether it snows or doesn't snow Mm -hmm. and the reason being is because i know when i find a deer i can use all the data i'm given and i can probably catch up to the deer Mm -hmm. and then i tell all my friends that track i said uh, all snow does for everybody else it just makes uh, bad hunters good hunters. <laughs> there's some, there's so, some truth to that. There is. <laughs> it levels the playing field, yeah, that's for so, sure. I mean, I kind of like listening to trackers because they're like, oh, we don't have any snow, we don't have any snow, we can't hunt. I'm like, why can't you hunt? <laughs> <laughs> the season's open, why can't you hunt? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I enjoy being in the woods too much. Right. Um, so I'll take what I get. I don't, mm-hmm. The reason I don't like snow personally is I don't like getting wet. Yeah, because then I'm wet and it's like, uh, and you know, I'm type one diabetic. I got to be a little bit more careful. Right. Um, so I have to make sure I have everything with me that I might need. And uh, if I say I get following a deer or whatever, and then I'm I get out of an area where I'm uncomfortable or whatever, and I don't have enough, you know, supplies for the day, I'm I'm screwed. Right. Not, I'm not like you. I can't say, oh, I'm hungry. 
And, uh, you know, I don't have anything to eat. That, and, I, that can't be me. And you're not anywhere near a road yeah. when, you're, be, when you're doing I that. I could be so. dead. Right. So, I mean, it's, and that's kind of why I hunt the way that I hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I learned to do what I do in the big woods. I mean, I prefer to be in the big woods. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like what we talked earlier, I do what I'm I'm the best at. Hunt your and what is And what is more uh, beneficial for me to do. Yeah, that's perfect. That makes total sense of why you would do so. that then. Todd, your father's killed a ton of nice bucks. No, nope. he just pretends. <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job with that, too. Yeah. What was uh, what was his secret? Was he similar to you? He kind of just good at everything, uh, good instincts, or was there something in particular he always just had a knack for? If I had to, like, I don't know. If I were to answer that question truthfully, I'd... I'd it was funny because we were walking out of the woods the other day or last season or whatever and i was dragging a deer and and he turned around and he looked at me he says man he says you're just like me when i was you know 50 whatever years old and i'm like i really i i kind of think i'm like him right so i don't i don't think we're much different okay i mean really it uh he he's killed a lot more deer walking and tracking or whatever than I have. I feel like he track he's tracked yeah, quite he's, a few bucks. When he was younger, he liked walking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just what he liked to do. Sure. But he also killed a lot of deer sitting. And uh, and with he always wanted to like even now. I mean, he still thinks I'm ten years old, so, which I like. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. enjoy it, you know, yeah, because yeah. I'm like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Give me twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Gas isn't cheap, Dad. <laughs> so. Uh, but I mean, in, in like, so when he was, when I was younger or whatever, he's always watching out for me. So we learned also to hunt together. Right. Um, none of it, like I usually hunt with a group of four people. Um, we don't care who kills the deer. Right. Except for my buddy, Josh, he wants to kill his own deer. <laughs> so, so There's always that one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but that's okay. You know, that's way he is. Yep. So, but like me and my father, like, uh, last year, I, I thought he could kill a deer in the area. I said, you know, come on in here with me. I, I think one of us can kill a deer in here. So if you narrow down an area where a deer is, your chances are going to go up drastically. Right. So if, like, you know, the five of you guys or whatever, is there five? I don't know if I can count. Yeah, so, yeah there's five of us, yeah. <laughs> so if the five of you guys are in an area and you know there's a big buck in there, you can easily come up with a plan where one of you guys should get a look at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, too many people don't do that. They're all for themselves. Well, we're so busy still exploring and learning right now that it's hard for us That's to want to collaborate. Yeah. But once we get that all out of our system, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's definitely some some places that we hunt, we've hunt. we hunted just the last two years that had enough sign that there was definitely a buck in that area. And we just weren't hunting them right, and I know that looking back. We, I mean, we've talked about it extensively. Like like he just said, we're, we just all want to go out and explore right now because we're so new to it. I mean, like I've said a yeah. million times on here, yeah. like these guys are going to be in three years next year, and my, it'll be my second year. Sure. Like we just want to go and see what's out so, there. So you want to know what I would do in that? Because I'm not a big explorer, so mm-hmm. I just bite off little chunks at a time. So the littler the chunk you bite off at a time – the greater you're going to know that area. Right. If you're tramping all over the place, you're going to see all sorts of great shit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't intimately learn it. Sure. In the places where I do my best killing big deer, I intimately learn them. And every right. time I go into it, I go a little bit farther. And it might only be like a quarter of a mile. Right. So I keep going a little bit farther, a little bit farther. And then before I know it, I know that place like the back of my hand. So like an area that I was hunting this year, I brought somebody with me in... I'm like, you got to sit in this place, that place, or that place. Right. I said, You'll, you're you going to see a deer in one of those places. And uh, 
and then sure enough like he ended up killing a deer there so uh it's more like that you guys might be better i mean i don't like to give people advice but i mean right but at the same time like i get what you're all saying you want to explore and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but maybe if you more intimately learn these places then you'll all have like a little area you can hunt and then you you find more areas right Mm -hmm. right i mean instead of like if you're all over the place sometimes you're you have too much to go by yeah i mean that you get overwhelmed by how much you find it's overwhelming because i mean there's days where we came into so much stuff we would come back at the end of the day and be like well i found this over here and i found this over here and it's like okay where do we go now because so there's an example like when we hunt the midwest which we approach it similar to the adirondacks like Mm -hmm. we'll all go different places and then we'll come back and we'll talk and be like who has the best place right all of us will go there the next right. day like we're all going to that place next day and th- those other places are like and then we'll evaluate why is it the best right and these are the reasons why whoever whoever it is because we're not all in the same place like this is the reason why i think it's the best and then we discuss it and like eh, i don't know about that right and then if we we come up with which eh, can be a hard conversation because guys start getting you know it can feel that way well okay so now i've determined one thing we have that problem in your group so (laughs) (laughs) uh, like i don't know but i'm guessing somebody in your group has a problem with that so (laughs) (laughs) only only because i'm a loner i'm I'm the loner of the group i like to be by myself okay so we don't have that problem in our group because it's it goes back to that being goal oriented sure um so it's a goal for all of us to kill a big deer mm-hmm. so whether it's me you 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 know it doesn't matter who it's going to be but if you have the best odds for me to kill the deer i'm going with you and if i have the best odds for you to kill a deer you're coming with me sure but we're going to talk and like through the experience like there's a lot of experience there mm-hmm. and then we'll just listen back and forth it might be or none we evaluate it and not anybody really there's nothing that's really saying we should all go here then we all go our own direction sure sure so it's not it's not even a it's a day-to-day thing right and and to be fair i love these guys and we get along great and this is the first time i know for me and really for all of us for the most part to even have hunted out of like a camp together Mm -hmm. i've always grown up just hunting alone me and dad went the same spots together but then we separated so it's like learning how to hunt with each other learn how to trust what the other guy's seeing and being a little humble sometimes saying i i know that there's a good buck here but let's get together and get this buck try to get this buck shot maybe we go to the other spot afterwards and and now so like say it's in in the adirondack setting and you and say we did narrow down a spot and we all said okay we're gonna go in there and we're going to go hunting there and try killing whatever buck is making that sign. What do you think would be like, I, I mean, I guess it's all situational, so it's kind of a hard question, but what do you think would be the best way of attacking like a certain area? Would that be driving it off? Would that be surrounding it? No, it, it's okay. So you have all you guys here. Okay. Mm-hmm. You all have your strengths. Yeah. Your strengths. So everybody play to their strength. Okay, we're putting my, Adam on watch. <laughs> my, I'm sitting next to Adam. <laughs> like, my strength is sitting. Right. So if I went in there and it's, it's my area, I'm bringing people back to my area, I can be like, you sit here, you sit there, and you sit there, we'll kill this deer. If your strength is walking, be like, okay, I think if I walk here, the deer's going there. So you need to be there, and I'm gonna. I want to still hunt it, but you're you're better at sitting. You go sit there. Sure. So what you do is you play play to people's strengths, right? And, and trust the person who's in charge, because every time there's gonna be a different person in charge. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it's. I mean, I get the individuality. Like, 
I like being alone. I, I hunt a lot alone. Mm -hmm. So if you need to be a loner and you don't, you're not in buying into that system, then maybe you should hunt alone a lot too, and then try that a couple times. Yeah, no, I need to. I and I do. I we I get to hunt a lot by myself, and these guys are great. They know. They just know that I'm going to be off doing my own thing. Yeah, uh, and for no good reason. There's there's never any hard feelings. But I know you felt really strongly about that that one spot this year. We talked about it a million yeah. times, and we just never got together yep. to do it. And maybe that was the demise of why we didn't shoot a buck. Call me up as a next group. year, I'm in. <laughs> we'll get you, we'll get you up we could have used the body because it was yep. the spot. Yeah, yeah was I'm sure spot. you're familiar with the area <laughs> but we're we're we are learning to hunt as it's that's actually a really interesting conversation one we've it's never had todd is it's just learning to it's hunt very hunt with each difficult other. when you're young it is yes it is um, i'm looking for the monarch of the mountain right now man and i want to find it by myself and i want to shoot him and call the boys on the radio but that's difficult to do it's very difficult to do um I was lucky. I killed the biggest deer in the in New York that I ever killed when I was 21. Okay. So it started a little different for me. Sure. Um, so then I'm like, maybe I got that out of my system early. Mm -hmm. And then I was always around my father and his buddy, Rob Miner. They always killed big deer. Yeah. So I'm like, and then my father kept telling me, when you finally are able to get time off, you'll kill big deer too. And I'm like, uh, I'm never going to kill a big deer. So then the first year that I actually had a week of vacation, I used my week of vacation because that's all I had, five days in a year. Sure. And I used it. I hunted the Adirondacks, and I killed a big buck. Um, and then after that, when I started having vacation, I, I killed big bucks regularly. Yeah. When you're doing it by the seat of your pants, like on a weekend, stuff like that, it's very difficult. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really difficult. So I guess if, if, so if someone is in that situation, what, would, what do you think the best advice to them would be if they were going about it that way? The like weekend warrior. The weekend warrior, yeah. and that's all the time they had. If you in the big woods, okay, like it's kind of like I'm I become a weekend warrior now after I go to the Midwest because I blow all my vacation in Colorado right. and, and it's a lot harder, right? I mean, but the last couple of years, I think I kind of figured it out again. Um, yep. you just have to make the most of your time, um, yeah, and just be where you know like that's why I do more trail cameras now, I never did them before, but mm -hmm. now I can use my data and be like, okay. This is the second to last weekend of the season. Every year, second to last weekend of the season, I usually get bucks in this area. I'm going to hunt that area. Yep. So it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but weekend warrior hunting in the Adirondacks, even any place, is really difficult to kill big bucks. If you expect to kill big bucks by hunting two days a week, you're, you're, it's very difficult. Well, that's where I would say probably hunting the snow is your best bet wouldn't, wouldn't you say in that in that case if you're a weekend warrior and there is snow you probably your best bet to killing a buck would no. be on the snow no no because no. you're still going to be chasing the deer around right and if you if you look at the vast numbers of people who uh track uh -huh. and the vast number of people who sit who kills more deer sitters is that I, I would agree with that and i i've seen that a lot in the southern zone growing up hunting with you but particularly now over the last few years a lot of the guys that you see posting online or pictures floating around, they're guys that are sitters. I mean, don't get me wrong, the trackers have plenty of success, but the more regular success comes from those other guys. I think trackers, for the most part, there are some that stand well above others, mm -hmm. and those guys get it done all the time. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of hunters aren't them, but mm -hmm. they they want to be them. Yes. Mm -hmm. So which method is better there's not one method is better than the other but it's like what we talked about earlier pick your strengths my strength is sitting i'm not a tracker mm -hmm. i've tracked deer 
but like I'm going to be like the rest of the guys that never succeed out there. So if you're a guy who's a sitter and you're not succeeding, maybe you want to try to be a tracker. Like find out what your strength is. Sure. Some people don't know what it is until it it, it just they bounce into it. Right. Everything's a building block in the experience of hunting. Everything. Yeah. Every year, year in and year out, you learn something new and you build off of it. So back to his question, as far as the snow or whatever, like, no, it's if you're a weekend warrior and you have that snow, like let's say, let's say two years in a row you don't have snow and it's that same weekend. Well, if you have all that data that you collected, mm-hmm. well, though those deer are there whether it's snowing or not no, right. that yeah, weekend. Right. So why don't you just return there? Your your odds are going to be higher. Right. So Todd, you're one of the first guys I've ever heard talk about the annual trail cam data. Is that something you want to elaborate on? Because I'm super curious about it. Uh, I'll try to make this short, but I don't usually talk short. So <laughs> that's fine. I, I <laughs> love it. all the time in the world. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I killed a lot of deer before I ever used a trail camera, but, and I just talked to somebody about this this morning. Uh, I picked a deer head up this morning at my taxidermist, who was also one of my best friends. By the way, I like the post you had on why you, why you get deer mounted too. So, uh, so I picked it up and I'm talking to him and we talked about trail cameras and he asked me, what do you, what do you think? What do you think whatever would have happened if we had him way back in the day when we hunted, you know, this other place? I said, I think we would have been pretty well off because we would have known what was in there right but uh so then i start. i said you want to know what i did the other day and he's like what i said i went back a bunch of years i said and do you know between the midwest and the adirondacks since i don't know what it was like 2009 which is what 12 years ago i can't count 13 13 years ago i said i haven't killed one deer that i didn't have on trail camera really wow really so i mean as far as the data goes it doesn't lie but know your data. Your data might not be the same as my data. So what I did in one area that I hunt a lot, I had cameras in there for, I think, three or four years. Not a lot of cameras, like four or five of them. And, and I know there are big deer in there because I see big deer sign. I only got one deer on camera in like three years, four years. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I'm like, and I couldn't figure this place out. I'd see a deer here and there, but not that many. Mm-hmm. Well, then one day I stumbled onto something, and I'm like, think i've been in the wrong spot so i just moved all those cameras around i'm like i never really put cameras on runways so i put a few on different runways different scrapes so i did a little bit of everything and uh, then i'm like then i started to learn something okay deer go by here all the time i moved them around some more and i'm like okay deer go by here all the time in the daylight so then what i did is i just started hunting places where deer are in the daylight all the time and then my odds went through the roof right because now like every area i go i could care less what's on the trail camera but if i have bucks there in the daylight and it's in a stretch of time period they're probably coming back in the daylight maybe not them but like descendants of them or whatever in that same time frame the next year whether it's early whether it's late you know what i mean would you say it's within a few day time frame or are we talking weeks i would say most of the time it's it's within a week I mean, what, three days? It's pretty substantial three, to narrow days. it down yeah. to that timeline, though. The thing is, too, like, when you when it goes back to that, like, say it's in a three-day time frame, it's weather-dependent. Right. So if you get dumped with snow or whatever, it's Changes. Not, yeah, it's not going to happen then. Right. But, like, big bucks that live in an area, they'll come back to the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's automatic. It's so getting uh, Getting into the sign itself. Do you find that the sign parallels where these daylight activities are occurring? Absolutely or? not. No. No. Nope. Okay. And, that, and that's I, something I've kind of found over the years, too, where not, yeah. it doesn't really add up. 
that's what I learned by those cameras. I had them like on fresh sign stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm not getting any, you know, what I want here. And then I said, well, I'll just try these other places. And then now, like, I sit in some places that if anybody ever saw it, they'd be like, what the hell is this dodo head sitting here for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. Right. And, yeah. Uh, and I know, you know, I know that people would look at it and be like, what the hell? And if it were me, I'd do the same thing. I'm like, man, that guy's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. But I'm the dumb guy, so. Right. right. How, often, how often do you think, like, uh, the mature bucks up there, like, aren't laying down sign up in the mountains? What do you mean, like, not laying down sign? Like, do you, do you, Corey and I were just talking about this the other day. Like, do you think that, like, those real mature bucks, those old smart bucks, do you think they're not laying down as much sign and kind of staying closer to one area? Than uh, I guess say a younger buck who is laying down a bunch of sign more rambunctious no. two who, and a half year who's, old. Who's to say a younger buck's going to lay down more sign? Um, right. It's like it's like all of us. Okay, we're going to go out and we're going to go downtown Saratoga tonight. So. Mm-hmm. Your father and I are not going to be like sniffing up the wall after some hot, hot, <laughs> hot young chick, but you're going to be. You know what yeah, I mean? So right. I mean, so it's kind of like every guy is different and every deer is right. different. So it's not that they don't. I mean, yeah, in some places, like, big deer won't leave sign. Other places, you'll see giant sign. Mm-hmm. So it's – I've hunted a lot of areas, and I brought people with me, and they're like, there's no buck rubs in here. I said, trust me, there's bucks in here. They well, just don't, I, yeah, they I just guess, don't rub I guess, in here. I guess that, that would probably be, like, a better question. Like, do you find that – do you find that those bucks are laying down a lot of sign throughout the season? It's a tough question because every place is different. Right. The sign, the sign could be in there and you just haven't found it. Right. You just don't think it's there because you've covered all sorts of ground. You say, oh, it's not in here. And then, then you walk over a hill and it's like, oh, there it is. There it was right there because the whole time. Here's an example. Like I was, I was changing areas that I hunted and I had hunted in a place for 20 years. And then my cousin convinced me to hunt in another area. And so we looked at all sorts of different places. And then I'm, I'm in there and I'm like this sucks I'm, I'm never coming back here right and then i said to my cousin i said you can keep hunting in here i'm not coming back and my cousin's a really good hunter yeah and uh and he know he knows the woods really well yeah he's like i'm telling you there are deer in here i said yeah okay so then i'm like let's get out of here and you know we had i don't know a couple miles to get out or whatever and we go over this little hill and i'm standing there and the sun was shining it was in the spring right after the snow had gone mm-hmm. and i look and i'm looking across like this uh, beaver meadow I'm like what the hell is that and it because it's like bright and it's like i'm like this, it must be the sun hitting that tree and i looked and i'm like let's go over and look at that i walked over there it was a rub the size of my waist on a tree from the year before and i looked at my cousin and said i'm hunting in here next year <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm and, convinced. And, everything i said earlier forget that yeah and it, that's exactly what it was because yep. i had never i we covered a lot of ground in a couple week time period and i didn't see anything i liked and then i'm like oh and right. then I'm like, I'm going to hunt in there. And yeah. uh, so sometimes that's all it takes. Like it, you really shouldn't base where you're hunting on the sign, but it's yep. hard not to. Right. You know what I mean, have you ever noticed like uh, a lot of sign being right next to a road? Have you ever? Have oh you yeah. Ever... I got, I got uh, when my father got sick, most people know my father got really sick uh, a couple of years ago now mm-hmm. and he lost all of his strength. He couldn't walk. Um, it was very difficult. So I, I gave up like a lot of my time to find big bucks next to the road mm-hmm. and i couldn't believe what i found next to the road so yeah. you don't need to go deep in the woods no. um i got the biggest buck picture i ever got in the adirondacks is right next to the road in 
he's been there now three years in a row, and nobody's killed him. Really? And he's still there. Oh, looks like he's going to be years next yeah. year. No, 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 to be honest, I can't figure this deer out, and I'm trying. Um, I can't. What do you figure, think he's doing? I have no idea. No idea. No, nope. <laughs> not I'm even foolish. a hypothesis. <laughs> no, nope. no, I don't really. Because to be honest, three years in a row, he's been there up until opening weekend of rifle. Okay, then he disappears, and he comes back the last week, and I'm like. Why can't I kill him? Because I'm, I'm hunting there at the beginning. I'm hunting up there till he leaves. Sure. And then I'm hunting when he comes back because I know right. he's coming back. And I still can't see the bastard. Really? Yeah. And then, then he'll show up uh, like when I'm sure, not, like the, the other day. So I'm like, what the hell? And it, it, it goes back to that whole thing. Like people think, people think I'm a good hunter. Like to be a good hunter or whatever, you have to be lucky also. Yes. And right. most people won't admit that. Most good hunters won't admit they're lucky sure. because they don't think they're lucky, and you kind of make your own luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I mean, you you really have to get lucky. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's no way around it. There's definitely. only so much knowledge you could put forward to it yeah. to kill like, a deer. Like I mean, you know? don't get me wrong. Like I I've learned a lot. My father's taught me a lot. Everybody I've hunted with taught me mm-hmm. a lot. But I mean, and I won't say I'm a lucky hunter. As in like, oh look a deer, bang. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But like you sometimes it's just a split second decision that you're you're lucky yeah uh, i want to go back to that uh, sign right next to the road like we've traveled to a t- couple different states now and hunted quite a few spots and we've found in so many spots that there is sign right next to a parking area almost every time yeah. it's like it's almost like they, there's some certain bucks that are living there that are just constantly modern monitoring what's coming in and what's coming out and they're just living right there which I, seems like maybe a case of what's going on with that buck he's monitoring the area <laughs> i probably hunted there. those areas you guys went to and i just made all the buck signs <laughs> everybody everybody hunt next to the parking area yeah. he's barring up trees and scraping up the ground <laughs> uh, uh, yeah um I, it goes back to the same thing. Every every deer is different. And right. some deer feel comfortable, like, watching you come and go. I mm-hmm. mean, that's another thing, like, with snow and everything, and everybody's like, ah. It, it kind of always makes me laugh because I listen to people in the Midwest say this all the time. Oh, you can't bump a deer out of the bed. It's never coming back. Well, no, that's not okay, so just for an example, like, this is your house, right? Yeah. Okay, so if somebody breaks in here tonight, are you coming back tomorrow? Of course. Okay. So, and they're breaking into your house. Sure, sure. Right. You're coming back. This is your house. Right. And, I mean, they're going to keep going back. I mean, they might change a little bit. Right. But they feel the most comfortable there for a reason. And uh, it's kind of like when I see snow, when I'm hunting on snow, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, this is a good area. And there's no tracks in here. There's going to be tracks in here. So, I'll, I'll go back there because right. there's going to be tracks here. Come if on, I man. walk through there and I come back and there's there's tracks in my tracks i'm like oh i was dumb today i knew they were coming back yeah but another thing too is they say oh big bucks will never follow in your footsteps as soon as they hit your track they're gone <laughs> i shot a lot of big deer walking in my foot really yeah so i mean they're still i like curious. i like to argue with people because because <laughs> i've seen all these things happen <laughs> right and uh i get their thing because like i've been in the midwest but i think more of that has to do with uh like land that people don't they're not on it a lot right and they stay off only hunted on this day and it's because their their deer are more protected they don't want to bump them off their land right whereas like we're hunting in areas where you know there are more people they're more you know like you know stuff like that so it's yep. 
they're more comfortable around people. Well, I mean, that just, I mean, wasn't in the mountains, but it makes me think the deer I shot my bow this year is kind of what happened. Corey had bumped it a week prior, and then we went back in there, and he bumped it off yeah. right to me, and it was right back in there, right yeah. exactly where yeah. it was before. So, I mean, they're not they're not gone and gone forever. I mean, I think that years that's... A, years, that? years ago, when, when the Outdoor Channel became really big, we're talking like 10, 12 years ago at this point, maybe even more, and that's when all the, you know, Real Tree was still on there, and the Crush with Lee and Tiffany, all, all the shows, um, and that was a huge, like, you stay off the deer, don't pressure them, don't go in, yada, yada, but... All my life growing up, one of the best hunters I knew, he seemed like completely willy-nilly to that whole line of thinking. It wasn't about scent control, and he hunted the same places over and over again, but he was always killing big deer. And I remember he told me one time, he had told me how he'd bumped this buck out of a swamp, that he knew the buck was in there, but he hadn't seen him yet, and he went and he bumped him out. I remember thinking, that was crazy, you went and you bumped him out? Like, you ruined it, he's never coming back. And I remember he, he told me at the time, he said, well, now I know he's in there. And that right. made it made sense to me. I guess that you know, the older yeah. I get now, if I bump yeah. a buck out of his bed, I'm like, yeah, I yep, know he's yep. in there now. It's game on. Well, it's crazy to hear like all the stories of. I mean, we just talked about in our last podcast how blood bumping bumping the buck and making a fire. And the same thing that happened to Adam. Adam made the fire, and the deer goes and stands right up behind him up there. Like they're not taking off three counties over. You know, yeah. they're 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 used to that right. stuff. Right. So. Going back to the lucky thing, like my, my friend Smitty, who's my taxidermist or whatever, like, now this is lucky. He shoots at a big buck in the morning, and he's like, I'm going to go back there in the afternoon. Then he kills the buck in the afternoon. Now, that would never happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, and that's it. Like, I mean, some people think deer are really smart. Deer aren't smart. They're They're just instinctual. Right. Just like I say, use your instincts to hunt because they're using their instincts to to survive. survive. So if you use your instincts to to hunt them, you're going to be at a more of a level playing field. Sure. You know what I mean? But people don't use their instincts. They overthink things. Right. And they get over analytical and they're like, oh, well, this and that. Like people, people that hunt with me can't can't believe it because I don't really overthink things. I just go in the woods and I do what I do. That's what I do. Just go hunt. Yeah. And uh, I just don't put a lot of thought into it. And I don't like as far as scent, like. When you're hunting the Adirondacks, you can't control scent. There's no way. You're going to sweat like a mother no matter where you're going. So, yeah. Yeah. And the wind, I mean, there's no telling where the wind is. They could yeah. say it's the southeast wind today, and it's blowing the complete opposite way. Yeah. Like, there's no telling. It's all based off of And who knows where the deer is coming from. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. There's, and I, Well, another thing with my gun, I'm like, if I can see it, I'd probably shoot it before it can smell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kind of gun you carry? Uh, when? <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends. I don't so, know how many different guns you carry. <laughs> early, se- early season bear ground, you're going into scout. What are you bringing? Um, probably nothing because it's really hot out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I uh, I carry the same gun all the time. I'm yeah. busting your chops. I use, uh, I use a Ruger 270 International. So scope. Uh, yep. Yep. What what power scope? Uh, I use a two to seven. Two to seven. Yep. Nice. Very nice. Small. Yep, so. pretty compact it's a, gun. It's a bolt action gun. Yep, so. I love my bolt. Yeah. With I love the man liquor stock, right? Like we yep, talked man about. Yeah, liquor stock. Does that does that do anything for you? Does that have any advantages, or that just happens to be what that gun's in? Man, it's cool. It is cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, no, you want to know what? Like, I mean, I have some gun freak friends yeah and they're like, oh that gun's not accurate so, eh, it doesn't look like it's any problem for me killing deer and that was <laughs> that was always the argument with the man liquor right was it didn't allow the barrel to free float and all that yeah well you you certainly have i'm not gonna to lie i don't even know what that is what is that the stock runs the length of the gun all the way to the barrel oh yeah, the barrel right. doesn't okay. stick out of it look at oh. it look, look at him in that picture yeah. that's the rifle right there i'm handed bailey one of oh, uh, no Todd's shit. Books. 
and uh yeah so i wow. mean that's what i use for a gun and uh I thought it was cool because when I was younger, my dad's best friend, Rob Miner, that's what he used for a gun. And yep. That's what I want. And then I got one um, Got one when I was in high school. Then I got, I realized it was too heavy. It was uh, it was an inner arms, and it was a little bit heavier than what you want for the Adirondacks. You want right. a lighter gun. And then I, uh, I ended up, I wanted something lighter, and then the Ruger was lighter. I think it's like six and three-quarter pounds. Yep. So I got that, and it's just, I'm a small guy, so it just kind of... Carries carries nice. I'm not as small as Adam because you know his I can carry one. <laughs> I can shoot it like a pistol. What he said over here, we were talking. He's like, "Yeah, well, Brad, you're built like a pole, and I'm built like a troll." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we had a great, oh, we had a great He's, time a, he's a right. Maybe next time, maybe next time we have a back we'll have both the on here. Oh no, don't time. do that. Awesome. No, no. <laughs> get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, I know the guys that carry pumps. They get. They get wicked wear marks on the bluing and stuff. Does your gun have some good battle yeah, scars on her? Yeah, my gun is uh, a wreck. I bet. Because I, I was going to buy a new gun a couple of years ago to go moose hunting, so I ordered it, and then I got to the gun shop, and uh, they ordered the wrong gun, and I was pissed. Okay. And uh, one of my buddies says, you're going to hunt with that gun? Because it was a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to. He's like, you ever looked at your gun now? I said, yeah, I don't care. I buy it to hunt with. I don't buy it to put it in my house. Right, right. It's not a showcase model. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, but that's like, the I would story. Never, I would never hunt with that. I'm yeah. like, well, that's you. Have, sure. have you ever gone up and hunted New Hampshire and Maine or any of those, no, those states? No, to be honest, I've never really had an interest. I've always, I love archery. Right. Um, so I want to go someplace and I want to bow hunt big bucks. Right. So I always go to the Midwest and I spend a fair amount of time in the Midwest. And then I come home. When I come home, there's only a little bit of hunting season left here. And right. Then, and I'm done then because I'm just burnt out. Burnt out. Oh, yeah. Easy to do. Yeah. Not. Easy I wouldn't do. say burnt out. Like I could still go hunting, but I just don't want to travel to go hunting. Right. Right. So do you go? Do you do the elk hunts every single year? I try to. I started in 1991. Yep. And then I went consecutively, consecutively for a lot of years. Then I got divorced and I didn't, we didn't go for a while. And then uh, I started hunting with my friend Brian and then we started going again. Right. So now I've gone pretty regularly. I, I didn't go last year. How many elk do you think you shot? I shot a few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all with your bow? All archery? Yeah, I shot them all. Oh, that's, oh, awesome. that's amazing. I, I want to do cool. that so bad. It yeah. looks like so much to fun. To be honest though, elk hunting used to be incredible. And then over the years, it kind of, it's not the same anymore. There's, there are way less elk and way more People. Right. It has become the DIY hunt. Yeah. It's, it's I, I'm just assuming you do public land yeah. when, when you yeah. go out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks it, like a lot of fun, though. It it used to be a lot more fun for me. Uh, of course, I was younger. Like, if you guys want to do it, you want to do it now. Right. Because as you get older, it gets more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can still do it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Sure. I mean, my dad is 75 now, and he's still going 12,000 feet. Archery, um, too? He's Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And it just gets more difficult um yeah so you want to do it when you're young but at the same time when you're young you don't it's a lot harder to do it is you know it's like financially and all that stuff yeah. and time off and well stuff i mean because like they say like if you don't have the preference points for certain states you're supposed to put into like multiple states yeah to try well, drawing a tag yeah. like right now i have a lot of points in wyoming i have 15 points in colorado mm -hmm. and i have uh, 10 i have 10 deer points in colorado right and uh, i hunted one unit in colorado i've hunted it um three or four times yeah it's the same unit i'm trying to get in now uh-huh i hunted it with one point um three points four points six points and now i have 15 points and i can't get into it wow oh my so that's gosh. what they talk about oh my god that's what they talk about point creep yeah 
and I'm one year behind the point creep, so I'll never probably never catch it. And my father's on oh. the on the he has the same number of uh, preference points as I do, so he'll he'll probably never get in it. Oh man, Ty, where are you? You're going out west. What are you? I am. Yeah, I'm going out to uh, Idaho for a mule deer oh, nice. hunt. Yeah. Um, rifle. Be my, it'll be my first time up rifle. First time in Idaho. I did do a uh, elk hunt in Wyoming. Uh, I was successful. It was um, growing up here and then going out there. What a difference! It was great. Um, I, we there were seven of us and five got elk and I would go back there in a heartbeat it was my father's second time he didn't get one the second time he yeah. had a, he got a beautiful elk the first time there you go i would i would go back to that spot in in a heartbeat we we had great success out there great did, time beautiful did you use uh did you draw like general tag general tags yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was your snow 70 it was 70 the day we got there the second day of hunting it was 30, and we had a foot of snow on the ground. <laughs> That's insane. It changed like that. It ended up melting. And then we got more, and the wind and those uh, those trees. I mean, it, the the different up there. Like I said, it's kind of, they're smaller trees, and they just whip in the wind. And you get into the blowdown and stuff like that. I mean, you're saying that you walked around out there without a, you know, uh, um, the GPS and stuff. I got out there, and I was like, the blowdown was taller than <laughs> yeah. I well, was. I didn't know where the heck I was well, going. Well, that's the thing. Like, some areas, blowdown is horrible. And then other areas, it's not. Where where I hunt, it's blowdown isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I should have probably said that. but <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, the snowstorm came in. It was rain, and then it turned to snow. And I was like, geez, my tracks are going to fill up quick here. So I ended up doubling myself back around. Because even up there, I noticed that my GPS... In the heavy, it, it oh, was yeah. very heavy cloud coverage started to, I was pointing one way, said I was going, it would look like I was pointed the other way, and it, it, it confused me That's quite where a bit. The hand Again, being more comfortable where we hunt, like where, where we hunted this year, I was comfortable with, because you know, I couldn't get lost. If I go this right. way, I'm running into the landmark that I absolutely am very familiar with. If I walk the other way, I'm hitting a road. Right. I yeah. know I know where I am, I know where I'm going, yeah. I can't get lost here. Up there... It was a, you know, I don't know, I want to say like a 30-minute four-wheeler ride from camp to where we hunt. What the heck's out there? In the middle no of nowhere. No idea. <laughs> Elk, hopefully. <laughs> you know, so. So yeah. you, you shoot, so you shoot a lot of competition. I don't know if that's a secret to anyone. I mean, maybe someone doesn't know who you are, but so what's, what's your typical shot then for an elk out there? Like how, how far do you think the typical shot is for them? Whoa, that's a rough question. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what the closest one I shot and what the yeah, farthest yeah, one yeah, I shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which one you want first? Uh, let's do closest. Okay. So we're hunting, and my father's calling. We This bull was bugling down below us, and my father's going to call because we take turns, so he's going to call this time. He's up in the bushes behind me, and it's thick. It's like a bunch of spruce trees. I duck in behind this spruce tree, and it's so thick in there, I lay an arrow, take an arrow out of my quiver, and I lay it on a branch in case I need another one. Yep. <laughs> Preparing ahead of time. So I shoot like semi-auto. <laughs> so, uh, it works. So he's calling, and I can hear the bull bugling. The sun is right in my face. It's early in the morning, but the sun's right in my face. Yep. And we're on a downhill slope and because we're above the elk. He's coming up out of the bottom of this canyon or whatever. So... Then I can hear him walking, and I'm like, holy cow, he's close. Because yep. I could hear the rocks. He's in rocks, Snapping. and I can hear the rocks, and I'm like, holy shit, he's close. I'm like, I better draw my bow. I drew my bow, and I look, and I can see the shadow of his antlers at my feet. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, 
holy shit, the arrow's not going to get off the bow. <laughs> but I can't see the elk yet. I can only see the shadow of his antlers. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm thinking, like, I'm I'm almost panicked. Like, I'm panic-stricken. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Because... Uh, it's scary having that big of an animal that yeah, close. Yeah, and he's right there. And I'm like... So then he took one step, and he's like... he He's right there now. Like, I'm like, I don't know if the arrow's literally going to get off the string. Mm-hmm. I leaned back. I didn't look through the peep sight on the bow or anything, and I just touched it off. <laughs> I'm like... So the elk takes off running, even though it was that close. I didn't know if I hit it. Right. So he runs down the hill, and he turns broadside. He's 15 yards. I grab the arrow that's on the tree... Yeah. And I knock it. I got it like three quarters of the way back to full draw. And my father yells out, did you hit him? And I'm like, Holy shit. Because he can't, he can't see it. And I don't know if I hit it. So the elk just turns and he walks away. So I don't get another shot at him. So my father comes down. He's like, well, did you hit him? I said, I have no idea. I said, I don't know how I could have missed him. Right. But I don't know if I hit him. So uh, we, I said, you go over there to where he's standing. He's like, well, where was he standing? He had no idea that he was that close to me. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, right there. He's like, right here? It was two and a half steps from me. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, my God. Two and a half God. steps. And uh, so we look around, and then, like, the elk was kind of angling towards me, and we found the arrow behind me to my left. No wow. way. Yeah. Behind it went in, it hit like a rib, it ricocheted. It ricocheted yeah. right out. And then uh, the elk was dead 100 yards from there. Really? Wow. Really? So, wow. Uh, so now to the longest one. So... My father and I are up early. We're way back in in, in this monstrous meadow. Yep. And uh, when we go into the meadow, we saw the antlers of a bull going through, like, some scrub brush. Mm-hmm. And we're like, holy shit. And there's a strip of trees in the middle of the meadow. So we're like, let's get to the strip of trees. So we get to the strip of trees, and I start cow calling. The elk turns, and it's coming back. And, I mean, it's coming right to my father, but he's just to my left. We're the same, like, you know, same horizontal line. Right. Whatever. And uh, he's right next to my father, like 20 yards. My father's not shooting. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, I couldn't believe my father wasn't shooting. So the elk spooks. It runs out in front of me, and I pulled my bow back. I'm like, eh, I'm going to send it. I sent it. Went right underneath the elk. I'm like, son of a bitch. So it runs out into the, it runs down across the meadow, and it's standing up in some rocky stuff. And it's just standing there. It's looking around. It has no idea what happened. So it's standing there, and I had a rangefinder. I arranged it. The first time it said 83, the next time it said 84. And I turned around at my father and I, I kind of give him the, like a shrug. Like he's like, he gives me a thumbs up and like, go for it. So I pulled the bow back. I put it right. I had a four pin sight with a movable dial on it. Yep. And the bottom pin was sighted in for 50, but mm-hmm. I had it sighted in outdated. So I moved the dial. I'm like, okay. I pulled it back. I shot it just like a, you know, a tournament shot. Yeah. And when it fired, I'm like, I heard some noise. It went clank, clank. I'm like. Son of a bitch. I hit the rocks he's standing in. I didn't think the arrow got there. He spins. He starts running across the meadow. We ran about 50 yards and tipped over. From no 80 way. yards. And I was, this is for everybody shooting mechanical broadheads, too. You can't shoot a mechanical broadhead through a big deer or a big elk. I was shooting 54 pounds with a three-bladed spitfire. Went right through it at 84 wow. yards. Really? That was my next question. I was going to say, what kind of setup are you, are you running, yeah. running for 50, elk? 54 pounds, three-bladed spitfire right through it. And wow. he, he died within 100 yards. Is that you? Do you still use mechanicals? I use, I have a bucket of broadheads, and I, I use whatever shoots the best, and I don't care what it is. Because I, so really? I have so many broadheads from over the years, so yep. I don't use them all the time. Typically for deer hunting, I use a head that is, um, if I'm going to be hunting a brushy area, I'll use a 
you know, a fixed blade broadhead. Right. If I'm going to be shooting something a little bit more open, I'll, I'll probably use a mechanical. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, awesome. does anyone else have any more? Yeah, I just want to touch on tech yeah. camp. Oh, yeah, that, and, and you had a story you wanted. Yeah, I'll, I'll let them finish right. with, the, with that deer, too. Um, but could you just talk to us about tent? You tented for a long time. No, I've never hunted out of tent. <laughs> <laughs> you most definitely have. <laughs> uh, don't know anything about it. Uh, I can tell you one thing. When you catch the tent on fire from the inside, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> we had that fear this we year. holes in the floor. <laughs> sleep, sleep close to, uh, close to your knife. In case you cut yourself out. <laughs> Brad, we, yeah. we talked about it on a couple of our podcasts. Brad, Brad would sleep with his mouth to the window because every time we open up our stove it would fill up with smoke and <laughs> oh, it's so bad in there man yeah one one the kid that i told you about that uh, that we brought with us hunting that is became the airline pilot he was younger he's i don't know what he is 12 maybe 12 13 years younger than me and uh so one night he and i are in the tent and my father's you know doing the stove and stuff there and you know we have a wall tent it was uh, i don't know what it was 12 by 14 or something and it was just the three of us in there and, and it was cold like i mean freaking cold and snow and all sorts of stuff so i'm like reading a book or something and sean's just sitting there and then my father's tending the fire well a couple of minutes later i look up and i'm like a fucking tent's on fire. <laughs> the whole roof of the tent is on fire. I'm like, I'm out of here. I, I ran outside. My father's in there trying to put out, and Sean and I are outside. We're like out there with our freaking underwear. It's like below zero. Oh. Like, the whole top of the tent's on fire. Oh, but, yeah. God. So don't take, don't take that advice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, tent hunting is hard. Um, yeah. It's really hard sometimes to set up a tent in an area where the, you're not disturbing the deer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my suggestion would be find some high ground to put the tent on because when it rains, all the rains go into the low ground. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, find like a knob or whatever. Um, try to be out of the area where you're going to be, you know, around deer. Sure. But at the same time, my friend Rob, you know, Rob Miner in my books, uh, he shot a deer out the back of the tent. It was a nice nine pointer. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it's not bad if the tent's where deer are. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and, we set up where we set up this year. A bunch of rubs right around our tents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, overall, I would try to avoid that. But sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah. And I mean, where we set up was definitely the best spot that we probably could have set up out of that general area this year. I yeah. think oh, it took a while. It's not as easy as you think either. I think a lot of people probably assume you walk right in and find a nice little no. spot. It, we we searched and searched for a usable spot. Yeah. Um, that's another thing too. Like we. You can make your own frame in the woods or you can carry one with you, like whatever's easier. Like we learned we're not carrying a frame. We're going to make one with down trees and stuff like that. Right. Although we did cut some trees and got tickets for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so a, that's a big no-no. Yeah. In so the we learned, so we learned don't cut trees because $50 a tree. <laughs> it gets expensive. Yeah. I could so, yeah. What were you guys eating out of camp? Um, to be honest, we brought regular food. Like uh, if we brought like hamburger or whatever, we, we always eat venison during season or whatever sure. right so we whenever we packed in we all, i always brought a frame pack with my regular pack on top of that okay so i mean we were really stupid um brought more stuff than we ever needed mm-hmm. um, Same here. and uh yeah like i know a lot of people that eat freeze-dried food well this guy's not eating freeze-dried food sorry right. <laughs> so i mean good food <laughs> yep yeah and yeah. uh and if i have to like say i'm in there for a week if i have to i'm going out and getting more good food right mm-hmm. so right. But whatever we bring in, we just try to finish it. But then another, going back to being diabetic, we needed stuff in the tent that I could 
that I would did in case I needed it. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So that made it a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as we got older, um, you know, it just became like, do we really want to keep doing this? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And uh, and then you got to have you got to have your tent up before the season, and then you got to have it down within a week of the season closing. It's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm like, you, I know what? I killed deer places where I don't have to put a tent up. Mm-hmm. So and then yeah. we ended up we bought a camp, and then we can go. I mean, I hunt an hour in every direction from the camp. So. Yeah, we're we're toying with that idea right now. We really want to do the camp again because we had a blast in the camaraderie. It's, it's great. It was it's second fun. to none. It was it's second so to none. Fun. But we agree, man. Like we can hunt just as hard out of the truck, and it is it's a ton of work and it's a commitment. You're in there for the weekend, whether the hunting's good or it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I hopefully the, we do it another year or two, but it won't be forever. The the thing about a tent is if you're gonna hunt in a tent, you want to you want to know that place like intimately, mm-hmm. so that you. You can all kind of go your own direction. You kind of have your own areas, and you you're not walking forever to get there. Right. Like so, you want the tent in like a central location so Definitely. you can all get someplace. Like, like when we hunted out of a tent, like each one of us had our own like multiple spots, but none of us were in a bad spot. Like nobody had a better spot than somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then right. we also hunted together a little bit. So. How far was your average walk from the tent for a spot that you liked? Oh, I don't know. I always thought it was interesting. You would say in the books too that you like to carry spare clothes with. I you. always carry spare clothes. Yeah. Um, it most people don't realize they get cold because they they have sweaty clothes. On. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always have spare clothes. Uh, most of those stories in that book that you read, I would I would say I was walking a minimum of three miles to wow. get to where I with no trail. Yeah. No trail. That's a lot. That's like That's when I told lot. you earlier. I don't know if we were it was on the podcast or when we were talking, but I walked. I walk as much in a day as, like, most people that are tracking or whatever. Sure. Right. And they, see, they don't realize that. Like, if I find a deer that's three miles, three and a half miles, Mm -hmm. one mile, I'm going to walk to where I think I'd kill that deer. And then everybody always busts my chops. Like, you know how many good deer you're walking by to get to that deer? I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to kill that deer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to where I think I can kill, kill the one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't think my odds are as good someplace else, then I'm, I'm not going to go there, you know? Right. So. Right. I lost my audio. Yeah, yeah, I just spun my thing. That's why. I don't like, know what is going on with this thing right, right Just now. pretending you're listening to me. <laughs> I, ju- I just got it back now. Good? Uh, no. Okay, you spin it then. Okay. I'll spin mine too. Yeah, this has been, uh, we are we're flying through this. I can't believe how long it's been already. How long has it been? Uh, what's uh, almost two hours in. Oh, oh wow. wow. Two party. No, it's yeah. been great. Yeah. It's been great. It uh, has been awesome. I definitely want to. See, Adam, you don't have enough bullshit. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I love this back and forth we got going with Adam this right now. This oh, is yeah, great. great. I'm sure he's going to get a kick out of it. Listen to this. <laughs> um, when I first read Todd's book, uh, the story, there's, it's, it's, a, do you mind if I just say what no, it's about? No, go ahead. It's basically a collection of stories from hunting with his father in the Adirondacks and, and Rob Miner, who he's referenced a couple times, and they've got some beautiful bucks in this book. And the stories are every bit as good as you would expect coming out of the Adirondacks if you know anything about them. There's a buck in there called the broken leg buck that is his father, the Todd's father shoots. And if you see the pictures for it, it's like the picturesque um, Adirondack buck because he's a nice, nice wide buck. He's got you know fairly tall-ish tines. He's not he's not the real short Adirondack tines. They're they're just over. But the picture's up on the top of uh, a mountain, and you can see the mountains off in the background. It's just like everything you'd want in killing a buck up north. And there's snow on the ground too. So I wanted you to be able to tell us that story it's pretty cool deer. yeah that was now that goes back to the teamwork thing okay my father knew where there was a deer in there and he's like if you come with me we can kill this deer and i'm like 
I really don't want to walk there. I mean, it was it was on top of a mountain, and I'm like, number one, I don't like mountain hunting. Yeah. And number two, I'm kind of lazy today because it's below zero. Oh. So I'm like, I don't really want to walk that far, but I'm going to. Because Dad said I might be able to kill a big buck there. So <laughs> you put me in the best spot I'm going. Sure. Because <laughs> so, because I, I was unfamiliar with the area. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'll I'll go in. And there. this is northern Adirondacks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's up like Lake Placid area. Gotcha. So, in uh, uh, so we we get up in there and, and we're late because uh, I don't know if I had problem with my blood. I can't remember. But we were late getting there. We might have got a late start. And then it's it's really crunchy, like crunch, crunch, crunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my father had seen this real, what he called a really wide deer in there a couple times that he had jumped and he couldn't get a shot at. That's why we're going back in there because it was like a few days during the week he had jumped it in there or something. So we get up in there. He says, "Okay, now sit here." He says, "It's either going to go by you or it's going to go by me. It's going to come down this hill someplace." So I said, "Okay, I see." And I didn't really know where I was. He's like, "I'll come back and get you." Blah blah. I'm like, "Okay." So. I'm listening to my father watching him. I'm watching him walk across the, I mean, it's wide open hardwoods. You can see freaking 200 yards in there. I'm watching him and I'm listening to him, crunch, crunch. And he just walked away. It's like, I don't know, seven o'clock. Crunch, 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 crunch. I put my head down to like kick the spot out next to the tree because he had just left me. And uh, I take my backpack off, I set it down. And I look up, and I can see him, and he pulls his gun up, and I hear, bang, bang, bang. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so, so anyhow, he, he says, I don't know if I could have hit it. He said it was a long ways away. He says, I think I hit it on the leg, but I'm not sure. He says, just stay there, and if I need you, I'll call you. So he ends up, he calls me on the road. He's like, yeah, I hit it. It's dragging its leg. He says, I, I broke the leg on it. He says, I'm going to hunt it down, and I think I can catch up to it with a broken leg. I said, what do you want me to do? Jeff's down below me. And uh, he says, wait for Jeff to get there and then just follow my tracks. So what, Jeff got to me, and we started following the tracks of my father and the deer. And then. Uh, and what was your impression? You looked down, and what does it look like to you? Uh to be honest, I can't really remember it. I have to read the story. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, but um, when we're following the tracks, I'm like, my father's going along, and I'm like, he's like in billy goat country now. Like <clears throat> You wouldn't imagine a wounded deer with, with a broken yeah. leg would be in it. And I really can't believe my father would be in it because I'm like, I'm afraid of heights. And now I'm crawling on my hands and knees, scared to death that I'm going to die. So, and Jeff's pushing me up by the rear end, and I'm like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. <laughs> so, and, uh, and it's glare ice, and, and we're going up the mountain, like right to the peak of the mountain. Right. I'm like, holy, there's no way this deer's going to be up here. But, right. of course, the deer's there. You can see where it's dragging its leg. It's, it's wounded. Sure. And then my father's on the radio. He's like, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. I'm like, okay. So then we're almost to him, and I know, I know we're almost to him because he's telling me where he is. And then, then I heard this and I'm like holy shit it scared the shit out of me thought you shooting us so uh, we go over there and uh, sure enough dad killed what the deer had done he he backed himself into an area he had no idea where he was and he walked right to the edge of a cliff and he the deer could have committed suicide jumped off the cliff or let my dad shoot him and my dad just shot him that's amazing oh, really? and, uh, yeah so the deer wow. had no idea where he was he was wounded and he went to a place he was unfamiliar with right and yep. it kind of goes back to that whole thing like when You'll see a lot of guys who might kill the biggest deer of their life, and they've never killed many deer. Well, my belief on that is 
that deer is in an area he's not that familiar with and that guy had no idea he was going to be in that place and he just plopped down and poof like right. all of us overanalyze everything we're like oh this is the spot deer is going to be and like oh yeah you know and yep. that's why we sometimes don't shoot deer and those guys yeah. shoot the biggest deer that keep it ever, simple ever stupid seen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know that's kind of kind of why yeah but, uh, that's a great story. Uh, that's and then the, the night of that deer we killed that deer and and it was cold it was below zero and my blood uh like plummeted and then we had a problem getting back to camp because we had to it was a long walk back to camp because where we ended up and how we had to get back to camp we got back to the camp and uh, we were camped on a pond and it was kind of back in and the pond had frozen over so now we got to find a way to get out of there and i'm like holy shit i'm gonna die so because then so you had been in on canoe yeah so then we're breaking ice coming out and uh we're breaking ice coming out and i'm like if you go in the drink you're you're done you're gonna die sure and uh i was never that smart so and i can't believe we never died but anyhow we we ended up getting out and then around that time period we're like we're we're not doing this anymore and then we kind of stopped hunting there because it was no we realized no deer is worth the right. risk of, yeah. of dying right. yeah yeah. Right. Even though then I kind of thought it was. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I do still. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's really amazing to me, like how you've pretty much overcame like having diabetes. Like that yeah. has to be like a, a, a major factor, like going through your head the entire time you're in the woods, right? When I was, to be honest, I never think about it. I don't look at myself as any different than anybody else. Right. But I know you have to be aware of it. Right. Um, the only reason you originally asked me about the phone. The only reason I use a rhino is because my father said you're using a rhino because he was talking to me on the radio one day and it blacked out and I passed out under a tree and he didn't know where I was. He couldn't find me. And I, really? was, I was unconscious because my blood was so low and I right. just, it went unconscious because right. I got out of the tree and went, you know, I'm laying on my, on my back like a turtle. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he, he kind of knew the area I was in and he, he found me. Um, but, you know. Just, it would have been a good place to die, so. Yeah. <laughs> There's a place to go. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, right. so yeah. I mean, so it's not, I mean, you can do anything you want to, no matter what you have. I mean, right. just like, you know, my buddy that I introduced you guys to there, Chris in the wheelchair. Yes. Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, he wants He's to supposed hunt. to be doing some turkey hunting yeah. with us, yeah. I so think. So he, wa- he wants to hunt, so he he can't walk, so he crawls, awesome. crawls to hunt. Yeah. And, uh, like, and sometimes I'm like, dude. You're going to get sopping wet. He's like, I don't care if I'm going to get sopping wet. I That's said, awesome. Well, I'm walking. You can crawl through the grass. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a lot of credit. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so, I mean. And he's not, a, he's not a little guy. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, he's like, right. I don't know. I don't know what he weighs, but I'd say 300. Right. Yeah. Not like, you know, I'm like half the person he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think you did talk to him. He said you, he was going to go turkey out yep. with us, all right? He, he was all about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, awesome. so it's all, you know, if you have something wrong with you, you're kind of figure out how to do right. it. You make the Overcome best it. To, yeah. If you want to do it that bad, then you figure out a way to do it. It's like my parents made sure I was always no different than anybody else. And uh, right. I always was brought up that way. So, yep. Right. Yeah. When the leaves change color, I'd be damned in my lifetime if I wouldn't find a way in the woods, no matter what happens. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know. Absolutely. Well, we're running we're run about an hour and a half here, I think, so we'll wrap it up here. But, Todd, thank you a lot for coming on. Seriously. Hey, we yeah, had a ton yeah, of fun. This is awesome. Todd, it was here. good seeing you. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if dad, and, dad and Todd, uh, back in the day, grew up yeah. together, so I don't know if we mentioned that been, or not. It's been 30 years, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like I said, maybe next time you and Adam will Yeah, now get... we're 31. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right guys thanks for listening and as always uh give us a follow on facebook instagram and youtube all under adirondack bucks and beyond have a good one guys